Welcome to the Life of Christ, part two. This is term two and lesson 20. We are going to pick up where we left off on page 14. And um, remember again, we are discussing the second temptation of Christ. And remember, we finished on Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, where Jesus, having had the word quoted to him, says, it is also written... Amen? And says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, to which we said, the word of God tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Alright? And that's the reason that William MacDonald, quoting Darby, says, the whole secret of strength in conflict is using the word of God in the right way. Did you get that? Amen? I think that is just awesome. Alright? The whole secret of strength in conflict is using the Word of God in the right way. This goes back again to what God says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. And that is, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That means so many things. It doesn't just mean lacking knowledge, as in you don't know but also you don't understand what you do know. That is also a lack of knowledge. Do you understand? When you look at somebody and they don't know what they're talking about, they lack knowledge. <laughs> okay? Amen? Alright, so, <laughs> as to what Jesus quoted in Matthew 4, 7, this time it is from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16, which is taken from the incident that was recorded in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, when the children of Israel complained against Moses and God for a lack of water while in the wilderness. And as a result, God said in Exodus 17, beginning in verse 6 and through uh, to verse 7, He says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so inside of the elders of Israel. Verse 17. So he, Moses, called the name of the place uh, Massa and Meribah because of the, the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? As a result of this encounter, Moses now reminds the children of Israel of the incident and says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 16, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Amen? And so this is why Jesus quotes this, and he quotes it from here in an effort to tell the devil two things. Number one, he will not be manipulated into tempting the Father in the same way that the children of Israel tempted him in Exodus 17. You're getting this. As Robert H. Mounts puts it, it is not our prerogative to place God on trial. Faith is simple trust, not doubt looking for proof. <laughs> okay. Can I stop there? i got to preach on this for a minute, okay? Most Christians are in this position. They are doubt looking for proof. Mm? Seriously. They're constantly going, now God, if you're there, this is a Christian. You know, do this or do that. If you really love me, God, you'll let me have this or that. You know, and, and they just keep doing dumb things. And then they come and tell you, oh, I don't believe in that stuff anymore. You know, because when I had a need, uh, you know, and I asked God, He didn't give it to me. Don't ever stop there. Find out what it was. If, if you feel led by the Spirit, go another step and say, what was the need and what did you ask God for? 
Well, I like to drink, so I asked him for a beer joint. He didn't give it to me. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Okay, I, I'm, I'm making it very obvious that it's a problem. But, you know, you'll find, I have found that people are saying things that are so unscriptural. Can I give you some real life example? My curlier hair. Do you want one? I'll give you one. I'll just give you one. I don't want to shock you too much. It's too late in the evening. You know. Somebody once says, oh, that stuff doesn't work. Preacher says, well, why not? Well, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. Preacher says, well, what did you pray for? Well, I prayed that, you know, this woman would, you know, fall in love with me and, and marry me. And God didn't answer the prayer. Preacher's thinking, no, something off about this. He said, who was this woman? Oh, Mrs. So-and-so. Says, hang on a minute. Uh, is this somebody's wife or somebody that's been divorced or what's the deal here? No, no, she's still married, but she married the wrong guy, you know. She should have married me. You know. <laughs> no, no. This is, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you understand? You know, and you know what? Based on that, the guy doesn't believe that God answers prayer. You know, this is one of those jumping off the pinnacle deals. Yeah, amen? Okay. Next time you hear one of those things and you see one of those things, you know, you'll both look at each other and go, he jumped off the pinnacle. You, you all will know what that meant. <laughs> okay? That was a dumb request and, you know, yeah, there's not, God is not going to break somebody else's marriage up just to make you happy. Hello. Okay? I could tell you other stories, but that's enough. All right. You get the point, I think. Right, now, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, anywhere, about anything. I'm just telling you how ridiculous people can get sometimes. Amen? And you know what? It shows a lack of knowledge. That's all. You see, we could have been that person before we knew better. But once you know better, you know, you go to God and go, Oh, and I don't know how many times I've done this. I've gone to God and said, Oh, I'm so sorry about that really stupid request. The one that I jumped up and down about. The one that I said, if you don't answer this, I'm not going to go in the ministry. All that stuff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was really dumb. Sorry about that. Okay. You know, and some things I actually say, thank you for not giving that thing to me. Because I look back on it now and I think, what a disaster that would have been. What are they? Not telling you. You think about your own laundry. All right, so, <laughs> back to, I'm just being honest, okay, as much as I can, just to let you know. We're all being there, man. I don't want anybody digging anybody in the, in the ribs and going, yeah, you know, it's, it's, hey, we're all being there. We all need to dig ourselves in the ribs. Okay, so, second, <laughs> and more importantly, he lets the devil know that as one of his own creations, according to Colossians 1.16, the devil should not tempt the Lord he is God either. Remember, all things were created by Him and for Him. In fact, Revelation says that all things were created for your pleasure. They were meant to bring Him happiness, not grief. Amen? So it's interesting, isn't it? That here is one of His creations have come up against Him. And doing this to him. So much in all this. So, needless to say, the second temptation was this dismal failure as well. Hallelujah. This man is nothing like that first Adam. You know, we took the first Adam down like in the first, the first temptation. Food. And he was gone. And he had everything to choose from. 
And he just failed, dude. I mean, failed miserably. Here's this one now. Has no food. The other one had food everywhere. This one has absolutely no food and can turn anything into anything. Alright, has this, you know, okay, if you're the Son of God, you can do this. Go ahead and do it. No way. Not doing it. Well then, if you are the Son of God, always the same thing. Leap off this thing, okay? Because you know, you know about the angels, right? They'll bear you up. You know, this is not going to happen. They're not going to let you dash your foot. It's going to be a brilliant entry into Jerusalem. No, not happening either. Yeah, but it's written. Yeah, but it's also written. Amen. Therefore, this time, the devil in the last brutal, desperate attempt to tempt Christ, pulls out all the stops and decides to put it all on the line with the most extraordinary of temptations yet. This time, we'll be reading in Luke's account. Luke chapter 4 verse 5, where it says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain. Now Matthew 4, 8 says, An exceedingly high mountain. Indicating that Jesus must have been supernaturally transported or translated there. Since it would have taken too much time and effort to climb it. Okay? Especially after a 40 day fast. See how ridiculous this all is? I mean, after fasting four days, you are not going to climb a mountain. And the devil will be sitting there for three days waiting for you to get to the top. And you probably die of hunger halfway up there. Who wants to climb a mountain when you're fasting? Uh, yeah, you, you get where I'm going with this. Okay, let's continue. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And Matthew adds this, and their glory or splendor. In a moment of time. See, that's supernatural too. How can you show all the kingdoms. How? You're on one geographical spot. One physical spot. How can you see all the kingdoms? You can't. I don't care how high you are. Even if you're up in space. Line of sight. You can only see half the planet. Do you hear what I'm saying? So this has to be a supernatural act. Not only to take him up there. But to also show him things he wouldn't be able to see. All laid out in front of him. Here's the ultimate temptation. This is where most people fall. When he says, okay, you want a big ministry? I'll give you a big ministry. Don't have to do all of that stuff. I'll show you another way. Let's do it through business. I'm a master of it. I can get you a big church in no time. I can have you global. Two or three years will be global. Only problem is that however you start this thing, then you're going to have to continue the same way. Hmm? If business is going to do this, then business is going to be the thing that runs it and determine where you go, what you do, and perhaps even what you preach. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there will be some businessmen that will be pulling strings somewhere. We can't do this because the budget says we can't. We can't go to this place because they won't give good offerings. Have you seen the places where certain prominent churches don't go? Have you ever thought about it? Why? They follow the money. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and money. Yeah, but we have a big church and we're reaching people for Jesus. Yes, thank God. Praise God. 
Paul said something profound. He said some people are preaching it for the right reason, and some people are preaching it for the wrong reason. Some are doing it for their belly, some are doing it for God. Whatever the case is, God get the glory because people are getting saved. So hallelujah. So I'm with Paul on that one. But I tell you something, yes, people are going to get saved, but God is going to look at the heart, the motive, and what all drove it. That's what you're going to get judged for. And you can't say, yes, but look at the number of people I got saved. Because you are responsible for your own decisions and to do what God asked you to do. Not what good plan and good idea you came up with. Hear me? Amen? That's why I said one of the things that God told me was that when we finish studying the life of Jesus, that's our launch date. That's the day that full life launches. And I can tell you this much, what I'm learning right now, I can't put a value on it. And I know how God wants to grow this church. And we, we won't be able to stop it from growing is what, what I can see. When the time comes, we will not be able to stop it. It'll just start and it will go. And if we are not fully founded in the word, and if we are not fully established in all of this, and if we, can, if we aren't able to keep all the snakes and the serpents and all the deception away from it, great will be its fall. Do you hear me? But we're not going to fall. We are going to be one of those glorious churches that comes up, that rightly divides the word of truth, and we'll be able to pick things off as they walk in the door, we'll know. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right. And you know what? It has been a journey for me for the stuff I'm studying. I want to get you there as soon as I can, but you know, it's going to take time. And we need to get there one step at a time, because if I rush it, you won't get it. And you need time to absorb it as well. And make peace with some of it. Because some of it's going to be hard. Hear me? Okay. And I need to give you that time. But I tell you, when the time is right, Jesus took 30 years, man. Thank God we're not going to take that long. In three years, he turned the world upside down. His world anyway. We, are go- we have the technology to turn the whole world upside down. And we will. Amen? Amen. Alright, back to this. It is important to take note here. That it was not the world itself, but the kingdoms of this world that the devil offered the Lord. With verse 6 going on to say, And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me. Now, can we stop here for a minute? So many people say, See, God gave the devil all of this. So that he can tempt man and do this and do that. No. Read the Bible. Genesis. And God said, let man have dominion. And verses 26 through 28 is all about dominion and authority. And he gave it all to man. What did man do? Bowed his knee to the devil. That's where the devil got it from. God never gave him any of this stuff. Amen. He got it off man. And you know what? We need, to, we need to acknowledge this was said. Because some people say, Oh, the devil didn't have any, any authority, any power. No, he did. It was given to him. And that's what Jesus came to take back. Listen to me. We are still missing a point. We are missing the point that what Jesus came to do was take back 
what was stolen from us at the beginning. Alright? And this is not for everyone. This is for anyone that gets born again from above. That is a new creation. Behold, now are we the children of God. What manner of love the Father has. You know, the Apostle John, the one that they couldn't kill, had this incredible revelation. And he said, do you not get it, guys? We are now God's kids. I'm going to give you a revelation ahead of time now. Are you ready for this? He was trying to get across what Jesus was trying to get across to us the whole time he was down here. And the religious leaders, and we'll see this in great detail, I will, I will share all this with you, kept missing it. He would say something. He heals a paralytic. All right? Remember the guy made hole in the roof, dropped the guy in front of Jesus? Remember that incident? All right. All right. We'll, we'll, you'll learn all that. Never mind. All right. It drops him in front. He does something very strange. He doesn't say, you're healed. He turns around and he says, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and Pharisees go nuts. They go, only God can forgive sin. Because only the one that the person has sinned against can forgive them. Who is this person to forgive sins? Alright, and they said, and they said, this is blasphemy. That was an offense that, that required stoning and death. Do you hear what I'm saying? They would stone you to death, alright? Jesus says something really interesting. He then turns around and he's, because they're now thinking God, okay? He turns around and he says, and I'm sorry I'm giving this to you ahead of time, but I, I want you to see something here. He says that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He turns around and he says, take up your bed and go home. Because they're thinking in their mind, oh, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven you. Who is to tell what, whether that actually happened or not? But if this fellow was to heal this guy, then we would know, which we, um, we know he can't heal the guy, because you, know, you can't blast him against God and then get healing. Watch this. Because he says, why do you think evil? Okay? In, in Luke's gospel, he actually brings out the word evil and says, why do you have these evil thoughts? All right? The evil thoughts were this. They're waiting for him to fail. He turns around and he says that the Son of Man has power to do this. He says, as proof, you know, you, you, what you're saying is we can't see. Anybody can say that. And who knows? who's to tell whether he's been forgiven or not? Who's to tell? He says, you want proof? I'll give you proof. To show you that this guy sins, because for some reason, a sin had caused the sickness. Okay? So he's saying to show you that the sin has been forgiven, I'm going to show you that the sickness will be removed as a result of the sin forgiven, and he is going to get up and walk off. That is going to be your proof that his sins have been forgiven. And that's the reason why he turns around and says, pick up your bed and go home. You know why he told him to go home? Because it's going to get ugly in a minute. There's a bunch of unbelief here. He didn't say stay around. You know I would have said stay around for the meeting. Wouldn't you? You know, the word is being preached and... He was preaching up to that point. Alright? But he says, go home. You don't want to be around any of this stuff. Alright? And you know what it says? It says they were all amazed. And you know what they were amazed about? That God had given 
such authority to men. Follow me now. They glorified God for that reason. That a man was able to do that. And it was, Jesus was trying to say, do you not understand? You are seeing me as God. Or you're saying only God. I'm telling you something. You lost something that I'm trying to restore back to you. It won't be for everyone. It's only going to be for those that are going to get born again. Right? That's the reason why he said to Nicodemus, a religious ruler of the Jews, you must be born again. The stuff that I'm doing and the stuff that I'm giving back to you can only come through the new birth. You can't walk around as an unregenerate saying, I'm a Jew. That's not going to cut it. You have to be, like John gets a revelation, you have to be a child of God for this thing to work. You have to be one of God's kids. A human being that is divine, has a divine nature, is one of God's. Are you getting this again? Okay, so we are down here in a human body, but we're God's kids. We are children of God, different kingdom, different daddy, different everything. And he's saying, I'm trying to get this across to you, that I have come to restore what you lost. And all the things that the devil tries to do, you can undo. Did you get that? I believe this is where the the Catholic priests, which I think they take a little too far, but love them nonetheless, got the idea of the confessional. And being able to absolve people of sin. Based on that verse. Hear me? Okay? But you need to be careful with that, sweetheart, because the people that you're counseling and that you're allowing to come and confess, they're children of God too. They can go straight to God. They don't need to come to you. And they have the power to do this for others. But if they're not doing it for themselves to start with, they're not going to God on their own. To start with, they're not going to be able to turn around and help somebody else out. I'm going to leave that, come back to it when we get to it. Alright, so this is what I want to bring out here. When the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has delivered, been delivered unto me, and I give it to whomever I wish. See, Jesus doesn't want it from him. Jesus is going to take, take it from him. He's not going to go in league with the devil to get his mission done. Remember First uh, John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy, not work with, but destroy, <laughs> amen, the works of the devil, which is our commission as well. Back to this. Now, as to when all this authority was delivered unto him, again, I've put it in your notes anyway, all right, it was in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve obeyed him, that's the devil, instead of God, and in that moment of sin and disobedience, all the dominion and authority that God gave them in Genesis 1.26 was automatically transferred to him. As a result, in the words of William MacDonald, there is a sense in which the devil does have authority over the kingdoms of this world because of man's sin. Satan has become the ruler of this world, John 12, 31, and all those scriptures, the god of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, and the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. All those scriptures are at the bottom, by the way, so you can reference them. In other words, this is a legitimate and very real temptation. With the devil going on to say in verse 7, let me just stop here. The reason I said that is this. Some people said, oh no, you know, this wasn't a temptation. You know, Jesus is God. There was nothing there was to, you know, he, they couldn't tempt him. If he wasn't tempted, then this, this would not be classified as a temptation. There was a temptation, which means that 
the Lord thought for a second, just for a second. And there, it was there as a choice, as an option. He can see to the Garden of Gethsemane. If there is any way, let this cup pass from me. Do you know why he was able to overcome that? Because of what he's about to do now. He'd already fought the devil on this and won. Do you hear me? He had already resolved. He's not going to play with the devil to get this back. This is one of his creations. It's not going down that way. Amen. Alright. Let's continue on. Now watch what he's going to say. He says, therefore, if you will, Matthew adds, fall down and worship before me. Oh, look at what he's asking, huh? All this, or all will be yours, or all these things I will give you. All right? So, in short, as Leon Morris is quoting another person called Philson, puts it, it's a simple matter of serve the devil and rule the world. <laughs> in modern terms, be practical, realistic, ready to compromise. The end justifies the means. To help people, you must get position and power. These are all the things that the devil will use. Hear me? Don't go there. Because they will all end in ruin. Alright. To understand the significance and magnitude of this temptation, we need to remember that at this time Jesus hadn't begun his ministry yet. He didn't have one single follower. And because he knows his adversary, he knows all too well that the road ahead is going to be full of obstacles and full of danger, especially with all the corrupt religious leaders around at the time. So after 40 days of fasting and praying, the devil offers him all the kingdoms and their glory, as long as Jesus is willing to fall down and worship before him. In short, he wanted the Creator to worship the creation. And that did it. <laughs> okay? The devil went too far this time, as he often does. And it says in Luke 4 8, and Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. In fact, it actually says, Away with you. For it is written, you, sh you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. That was a double edged sword on that one. William Hendrickson says that the answer reflects Deuteronomy 6.13 and it also reveals the sharp contrast between Christ who is ever doing what his father wants him to do and Satan whose purpose is the exact opposite. Amen? Amen. As creator, Christ was here to defeat the devil, permanently cripple his kingdom and take back what was stolen from man in the Garden of Eden. And he did just that. This is why the Apostle John would go on to record several years later in Revelation 11.15 when the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and He shall reign forever and ever. See all the kingdoms the devil was offering? It was now God's. It was now the Lord's. Amen? That was coming. And so once again, the temptations that the devil planned to defeat Jesus with turns out to be something else that he himself would be defeated over. Hallelujah. And so it goes on to say in Luke 4.13, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. 
never came. Never came. He thought it did, and he messed up royally when, when he thought it did. Okay, Let's, let, let us stop there. Let's stop there, and we'll pick up from that point and move forward. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for...